Welcome to episode 47 of Contested Catch. It is our week four preview, baby. We are finally in the full swing of things, and we're, of course, joined by our co-host, data specialist, shirted again, Jeff Gould. Jeff, how are you, my man? Hey, Will. You know, I uh, hit hit the deadlifts for the first time since the pandemic started, so I'm feeling really good today. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like to hear it. We're getting swole over here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm shrinking season, not bulking season, but shrinking season. Um, yeah, so, uh, good stuff. Glad to have you. I think it's going to be a good episode. We're going to try to keep this one a little shorter, um, and try to make this a really concise weekend preview for you. Uh, before we get into it, make sure to check out episode 46 that we did. We put out Thursday of this week. That was with Kyle Singer. That was our debut episode of a new weekly show that we're going to be doing. It's our opportunity buys and sells. And we're going to be trying to put that out. We'll probably record Wednesday nights, uh, put out Thursday morning, something like that. And that will be a really good way to identify guys who are getting good opportunity uh, that aren't producing or maybe guys that are overproducing the opportunity they're already getting. So make sure to check that out if you haven't and tune in for the future episodes. Um, with that said, Jeff, speaking of Thursday, let's get to our Thursday night football takeaways. And we are not going to stay on this for very long. In case you missed it, this was like a game that no one really was that interested in. Even the Jets and Broncos fans, I don't think. Um, but I will say this on our contested catch up, our weekly newsletter. I think we did pretty well with our Thursday night football preview. Um, and one of the things that we talked a little bit about was Jerry Judy on that. I said, basically, let's pump the brakes on him just a little bit until Drew Locke comes back. Because Rippin, uh, Rippin's a, an unknown. Uh, Driscoll, we do know, sucks. Um, Jerry Judy time, Jeff? I'm, 26th and Rock going into week four. He had finally scored his first touchdown. Great touchdown, uh, contested catch situation. Shout out to the to the brand. Um, underthrown deep ball, we should say, but he should get Drew Locke back in a few weeks. Is is it Jerry Judy time? No. No. I mean, <laughs> the, the Jets are one of the worst defenses in the league, and he was out-targeted by Tim Patrick and Hamler. Played like one snap for aggravating a hamstring injury. And like this offense just isn't good. No, and Noah Fant got knocked out. Yes. And Noah Fant was knocked out early. So, no, pump the brakes. He caught two passes. One of them, the contested catch was also that you mentioned was also just like abysmal defense. So, should have easily been an interception. Yeah. Like, I I don't, it's barely even like, like some people saying he got like he mossed him. Like, he didn't moss him. The defender just, you know, fell over practically. Uh, I will say this for the Broncos. Um, the guy that I that I was most positive about on that team, actually in the whole in the whole slate, was Melvin Gordon. He was our captain pick. You know, I was actually very close uh, on that lineup that I submitted. Um, it was it was headlined by Melvin Gordon as the captain. Also had uh, Sam Darnold and Jameson Crowder stacked, and then I had Sam Ficken and the two defenses. And I was like, this is just for fun. Let's just see what happens. I actually I, I was ninety seven percentile. Uh, finish there but anyway Jeff, said leg James talent like talent yeah, baby. ever ever important like talent <laughs> nope we should really get uh Denny Carter on this podcast to just solely like spend an hour on kickers just an entire bit just and act like yeah. it's completely serious like who are your late season oh no kicker targets act like it's serious it is serious <laughs> I, I can only endorse it if it's a bit uh, <laughs> okay uh Jamison Crowder you know, going to the other side of the ball real quick. Jameson Crowder, is he a weekly flex now? We saw his second game of the season. He saw double-digit targets for, again. Another 100-yard performance. This time was not just built on one explosive play. 
Uh, he actually had uh, multiple 25 plus yard plays. He's the only real like tangible weapon on this team right now. Are you like somewhat high on Jameson Crowder now? Yeah, I like him. Um, you know, he's really, like you said, the only reliable target. Um, and he even then Darnold, like he had a couple plays where it was completed, but wasn't the best pass and he missed out on even more yak. So, um, yeah, I like Crowder coming back from the injuries, looking healthy, negative game script, you know, week in, week out. Yes, I like Crowder. He's a good buy. Oh, um, just just got a notification that Darnold has a shoulder sprain. So mm. in his throwing shoulder, correct? Yeah, and his throwing shoulder. So that would be the only thing that'd give me pause on Crowder. But I mean, Joe Flacco, the former elite dragon. I mean, I think you'd probably still be fine with Crowder anyways. I agree. Um, all right. Well, moving on from Thursday night to a game that is not happening this week. Um, we, you know, we talked about it a little bit on the Tuesday episode, the the weekend recap from week three. Um, you know, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, that that matchup has officially been moved to week seven now. Um, they will be on by this week and week eight will now be the Pittsburgh Baltimore matchup. So. Uh, this is coming after two more players tested positive in Tennessee. Unfortunately, Jeff, as this outbreak continues to to um, spread a little bit, it's casting some doubt on the Week 5 matchup with our Buffalo Bills. Um, the good news, as I believe uh, J.J. Zacharyson pointed out, uh, is that now you should get one more game this season out of Deontay Johnson and A.J. Brown, who are both likely uh, questionable, if not likely, to miss Week 4. So now they have another week to get right, and we should see them Hopefully, you know, barring another injury for the rest of the season. Um, Jeff, you know, what is your takeaway from, um, you know, more positive tests, COVID uh, tests, that is, uh, in Tennessee? And, you know, we still haven't really heard anything out of Minnesota. But, you know, what's your thoughts on the situation? Saying just in Tennessee, not counting like D.C. (laughs) We're not going to get into that. But, yes, he's alluding (laughs) to the president testing positive last night. Plus the senator. uh, Yeah. Okay. No, I'm just um, (laughs) like we. We knew this was probably going to happen. Um, I mean, to an extent, I'm almost surprised it took this long. But I mean, look, we saw it happen in baseball. Um, it's just if you're not going to bubble, like, you know, it's sort of inevitable. I think the good news is we have not seen any cross-team contamination from Tennessee to Minnesota. So I think that's, like, the best news or silver lining out of this is if we don't really see anything more out of Tennessee, then we can feel pretty confident in them playing the Bills next Sunday. And like the Bills players, we have like very low risk of catching it from Tennessee. We'll uh, continue to monitor that situation, obviously, and continue to to comment as more information comes out. Um, moving on to our injury update, Jeff. Um, Julio, Julio Jones, a guy that we've been keeping our eye on, is expected to play this week. That is obviously the Monday night game, so we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit. But in the event that he flares up, I'm saying fire him up, but in the event that he flares up, you know, it's a hamstring injury. Um, there's always the chance that he get is becomes a surprise inactive for Monday. I would say it might be worth adding MVS, and we'll touch on him shortly. Um, or maybe even Olamide Zacchaeus, excuse me. Um, who, I think it's huh? Olamide's. Olamide? I always said Olamide. Anyway, Zacchaeus uh, (laughs) was actually the one who saw a a really good uptick in usage um, last week. So I will say, make sure you have at least some sort of insurance protection just because, you know, soft tissue injuries, they're going to be careful with their star. So, but good news is Julio is expected to play. But Jeff, another guy that's expected to play this week, George Kittle. 
He's a go for this week. Uh, however, Jimmy G is expected to miss another game. We talked about a little bit last week in the event that he might play. You know, did you have any concerns about Nick Mullins? I'm I'm taking it that you are firing George Kittle up. I still think he's fine. I mean, George Kittle had his breakout season with Nick Mullins as quarterback most of the time. So, plus they're playing Philly. Well, I mean this this is the Sunday night game, right? So he's not even on the slate. So I mean, you know, if you're playing, no one plays like the full slate like week DFS. So showdown, showdown. Yeah, showdown. I don't know. I mean, sure, play him in captain. I don't care. <laughs> okay. McKinnon, <All> right. <laughs> just fire up every San Francisco play you can, and then like the Eagles kicker maybe. There you go. Um, <laughs> Alan Lazard goes off in week three. Obviously, Green Bay's wide receiver two at that time uh, now out due to surgery for a core muscle injury. Right after posting his the best game of his career, is it MVS time? Marquez Valdez Scanling. He was MVS was already twenty fifth in rock going into week four. Um, and and Lazard was 30th, so now Lazard's out for a while. MVS had 32% air yard share, four red zone targets. How excited are you that MVS might finally break through as the wide receiver two in Green Bay, and that's been a very lucrative offense so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great matchup this week against Atlanta. So, I mean, they've just had one of the worst secondaries in the league. Um, you know, if Adams does play, I think he'll probably end up absorbing like a 30% target share. But if not, like you really kind of have to start MPS because Rogers has to throw the ball somewhere. And even if Adams is active, I mean, still that leaves 70% of targets to go to other players against Atlanta. Yeah. I think you could at least fire him up as a flex. Okay. Good stuff. Um, moving on to Tampa Bay, Leonard Fournette is out in week four as is Chris Godwin. So I think this is probably going to be another uh, week where we're going to like Mike Evans. But I would also say, and I was going to say this a little bit later, but I think Rojo, Ronald Jones, is a sneaky little DFS play this week. If you own him or if you roster him in season long and, uh, you know, maybe you, you're you looking at your flex spot, I think this is a good time to play Rojo. He already had the, the better usage of the two last week as well um jeff any other takeaways maybe like uh you know scotty miller situation in tampa bay um scotty miller even gronk like as bad as he has been he did see an uptick in receiving uses last week maybe he just had a lot of rust that he needed to knock off so i'd keep my eye on him in deeper leagues i would you know might add him now in case he does break out not in like your normal leagues um but then also Tyler Johnson, keep an eye on for him. I mean, it's kind of that big slot if he could get work. I mean, Scotty Miller's also been banged up. So if he's kind of on a snap count or goes out mid-game, Tyler Johnson is a player I think we could see uh, he'll get some good work and possibly pop. So uh, I think a lot of the peripheral options in that offense are worth keeping an eye on for it or you know, adding as flyers in deep leagues. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, moving on to Seattle. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about this matchup, so let's not get too deep into it. But Chris Carson uh, is now appearing likely for week four. I mean, I think this is uh, quite the turnaround from what we were expecting coming out of that week three game where he had a knee sprain. Uh, you know, per Pete Carroll, he had an excellent week of practice. I think that's very encouraging for him. I think it also makes anyone who who bought Carlos Hyde feel terrible. Anyone who picked up and sold Carlos Hyde feel great. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the Chris Carson situation? I think he's fine to fire up, um, you know, mild knee sprain, whatever. It's just kind of 
pain tolerance, I would think. So if he's practicing, yeah, start him. Um, yeah, I don't really think you can play Carlos Hyde or I mean or Travis Homer. So all right, DeAndre Hopkins is probably questionable. I guess it's a kind of an oxymoron, but probably questionable. Um, I'd expect him to play, and if he does, no hesitation to to start him in season long. Uh, guy doesn't miss games. He just really doesn't. But it sounds like it's a pain tolerance thing, like you're talking about for his ankle. Um, so uh, DeAndre Hopkins looks like he's going to play. I would just keep your eye on it because it's not a given. Um, however, who is a long shot to play is Cam Akers, Los Angeles rookie running back. I think this means fire up Darrell Henderson again this week. But I will say this, Malcolm Brown's a sneaky DFS play in, in uh, this week as well, Jeff. What are your thoughts on that backfield that looks to be without Cam Akers once again? I still wouldn't play Brown in DFS. He's, I just don't see him getting like the volume. And really, you're going to be banking on him getting the touchdowns um, instead of Henderson. But Henderson has far higher upside as uh, you know usage and you know, big playability. So I, I still don't like Brown even without Akers. Henderson, I think, is a good play in tournaments. Uh, have you come around a little bit on Darrell Henderson now that he's had back-to-back weeks of really strong performances? Yeah, um, I mean, he's a player that we liked coming out last year. And mm-hmm. I think from a season-long standpoint, he's increasing his his stock for the 2020 season from a dynasty standpoint. Um, I think, you know, after this week or two weeks from now, it might be a good sell high just because I do think eventually this is going to become Cam Maker's backfield, even if it's next year. Um, and in the Contested Catch-Up, our weekly newsletter, uh, I included a tweet that showed, um, it, was, it was from Fantasy Mansion, uh, the pod father, and it showed that Malcolm Brown's uh, snap usage and routes run were actually in line with or better than Darrell Henderson, despite Darrell Henderson's box score being so much better. So keep in mind, this is still a running back by committee in Los Angeles, so I wouldn't get too, too excited, although it is just, you know, it's nice to see that Darrell Henderson's actually doing something now. Um, DJ Chark, Jeff, for Jacksonville, he's expected to play, um, which is really good news, and the Jags versus the Bengals should be a shootout. I like a lot of players in that matchup, DJ Chark being one of them. It just doesn't feel right that DJ Chark has has received the volume that he has so far. Uh, does DJ Chark's injury give you any sort of re-injury risk in game, or are you know are you fading him? How are you playing the DJ Chark situation? I mean, you probably if you own him in season long, you probably have to fire him up. I find it tough that like many teams would have better options given where he was drafted and just everyone who's gotten injured uh from a dfs standpoint i mean i think you could build some stacks where like you uh you know burrow green run it back with chark burrow boyd whatever and run it back um but yeah i mean his even when he was healthy his usage was a little confusing so like, i mean it was lower than what we expected heading into the season so um i don't know i still don't like love the play based on that but i mean maybe they also just like look at last week and say hey our offense kind of sucked without him in we weren't getting him the ball enough to start the year they might also just try and make him a focal point on sunday yeah i i'm hoping for that uh i really like you said i was confused by his usage in weeks one and two um okay so our last one for the injury update here will fuller is expected to be a go jeff this has been a confusing situation as well. You know, we've seen Will Fuller be quote unquote healthy, but not get much usage. We obviously had a great week one. 
hamstring came up in the middle of the week. They said they were just giving him some rest. How are you playing the Wolf Fuller situation? Obviously a guy we were super excited about coming into this year. I'm firing him up. Um, yeah, the hamstring is a little bit concerning, but they're playing Minnesota. It's like one of, if not the worst secondary in the league right now. Um, and I think is he could leave the game partway through the second quarter and already have gone off for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. So, so like, I think unless you hear anything pregame about, Ooh, like hamstrings flaring up might be limited or on a pitch count. If you hear anything like that, okay, then maybe you take him out. But otherwise I think you just have to fire him up because that ceiling this week is so high. The whole thing is that you're not going to be able to predict Will Fuller's boom games. That's why you give him a chance in your flex, because if he hurts you, hopefully you've got a better team. You know, it's not like you took him in the second or third round. So good stuff there. I'll just say one last thing. Devontae Adams uh, is practicing in pads today. So that's a really good sign for him to play this week. But similar to that situation with Julio Jones, um, MVS, you know, is a great insurance policy because obviously he gets an enormous boost if Adams is unable to go. But there are other options in that Monday night matchup as well. Jeff, any other uh, injury points that you want to make? Uh, well, Calvin Ridley's also nursing the ankle injury this week and hasn't really practiced. So if he and Julio are out, I mean, that just could be awful for the, um, the Falcons this week. Let's move on to our DFS preview now. And Jeff, why don't we start by talking about uh, your favorite stacks and the top lineup that you have from our optimizer that's on ContestedCatch.com? Sure. So my um, my first like game stack is I just really like the Texans this week. Um, I think they're like a little bit. I think they should be chalkier than they are, even though they're still going to be one of the higher played. Uh, but that's just because they've had like one of the toughest um, opening uh, schedules. Schedule, yeah, opening yeah. schedules for the first three weeks. So I think that really kind of suppresses things relative to what they should be. Um, you know, on ETR, they have a projected ownership of 11% for Deshaun Watson, which is same as Josh Allen, same as Kyler Murray, same as Lamar. So, um, I mean, even Russ, they're projecting at 15%. So, like, it, it's not that shocking. Um, but as I said earlier, Minnesota has, like, the worst team in the defense in the league. And I just think this is a great situation for Deshaun to absolutely go off. And then, you know, whether it's Fuller, like I mentioned, Brandon Cooks, David Johnson. David Johnson's running a route on something 90% of their pass plays. So you could, you know, if you want to maybe get a little differentiation, you throw David Johnson in that stack and do like Deshaun, DJ, and Fuller or whatever, and, you know, and then run it back with Thielen or Justin Jefferson, et cetera. So uh, let's say I, you know, I plug that into our optimizer and i wanted to do a double stack with deshaun um and then for some of the secondary game stacks i chose the arizona carolina game the miami seattle game and the kansas city new england game and our top lineup we get deshaun watson zeke elliott mike davis adam thielen will fold the fifth dj moore darren waller brandon cooks dolphins dst um i don't like the dolphins dst though so i probably wouldn't do that I would, you know, look to switch a little bit of that out. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of what, uh, you know, we're seeing as a possibility there. Um, you know, some of the other plays that I like this week, um, I, I think James White, uh, like last year, 
when we did our preview for that week slate against Kansas City, I said, like, I just really like James White because negative game script. Brady's going to be dumping it off. I mean, then James White went off for like 30 points or something. He was, you know, million, million maker winning play. You know, he had, so now he hasn't played in two weeks due to the uh, family tragedy. Um, you know, it's a pretty ambiguous backfield. And so, like, he's going to be so low owned. And you know, Cam doesn't really have a strong history of throwing to the running back. He did a little bit once he got CMC. So, again, it's a situation where they're probably facing a negative game script. And I could see James White being one of the, um, you know, the key receiving weapons for the Patriots. And also in that game, I kind of like Clyde Edwards Hilaire this week. Um, mm. I think <laughs> so. The reasoning is that it kind of goes back to that Bill Belichick strategy from this when he was defensive coordinator for the New York Giants uh, in the Super Bowl against Buffalo where they were just like, look, we're going to let Thurman Thomas run for over 100 yards. If, if he runs for over 100 yards, we win this game because that means Jim Kelly wasn't throwing to Andre Reid and Don Beebe and picking apart the secondary. So I could see Belichick employing a similar strategy where he's going to be content to let Clyde Edwards-Hilaire run for 100, 150 yards, but he's just going to try not to let Mahomes beat him. You know, I mean, Mahomes is also Mahomes. It may not work, but if they're just letting Hilaire run the ball for that much, that makes him, uh, you know, a pretty good play this week. I agree. I think his his usage in week three was really encouraging as well, especially the the targets that he got um, and just how he looked with them. He had a beautiful catch um, reaching over his head. Well, I guess it was a, more of a basket catch, but just a beautiful play that was almost overthrown by Mahomes. And he just really seems to be settling in as, as a weekly RB1. Um, Jeff, my favorite stack this week is Seattle, Miami. And I was worried that maybe it was a little too chalky, but with Russell Wilson being 15% projected ownership, you know, only a little bit more than some of those other names you already mentioned, like Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson, I still feel pretty good about it. And man, that 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 matchup is just going to absolutely blow up, I think. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit more in best bets, but one of the good things is that Jamal Adams is now out, adding to confidence that Fitzmagic can actually score on this defense. Um, you know, we've already talked about it in the past. I put it in the catch up as well, but Seattle's defense has given up, I think something like 400 more passing yards to, to wide receivers so far than the next closest defense to wide receivers. Um, and quick aside asterisk, uh, Mike Gusecki is basically a wide receiver. He's splitting out wide. So I include him in that bucket as well. So I just love stacking this game. I mean, you could probably get a little cheekier and go with a Fitz magic stack and maybe go, uh, Fitz magic Gaskin and um and Gasecki and then run it back with Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf or both um I mean that's a little too much in that game probably but at this at the same time I just love getting shares of that one and um you know you could obviously use it as a secondary stack too we've seen some good success with that so far so Jeff any reservations about that one um only weather sounds like it could be pretty rainy in Miami this week Mm, that's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. Uh, did they say anything about wind? Because doesn't wind knock off like three points from the from the point total or something like that? Yeah, it's like over 15 miles per hour. And then the under hits at like a 70, 80% hit rate. Mm. Um, you know, those are things that are tougher to predict right now on Friday, but you want to be aware of Sunday morning. That's a very good, very good caveat for what I'm going to say in best bets. <laughs> But good stuff. Okay. Um, Jeff, how about some favorite plays? Uh, I'll, I'll kick it off with one that I love this week. Um, and that's DJ Moore. $5,600 on DK. 
Um, this guy hasn't quite erupted yet this year. He hasn't scored a touchdown, but really like his usage. I mean, this guy is just all over the rock as well. Um, we talk about him a good bit and, you know, it's just a situation that you know is eventually going to lead to some big fantasy weeks. He's 10th in rock this week, uh, 46% air yard share, 13.5 a dot, which shows that he's not just an underneath weapon anymore. He's getting intermediate and deep passes as well. Only one red zone target that just does that feels like an outlier for, through the first three weeks. So I'm betting on DJ Moore to rebound in a big way. Um, yeah, I also just want to add to that. I mean, that the uh, Cardinal secondary has been pretty banged up and it looks like Isaiah Simmons might be starting at safety for them this week, who, while he was your you know top ranked player in this class has not been playing much and it hasn't been that, that effective. So it's really like a prime spot for DJ Moore, priced down at $5,600. He's just an absolute screaming by low. So other players I like this week. Well, I mean, I, I don't have to tell you Al- Alvin Kamara is a good play, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, some people like, okay, so we've kind of ate the chalk at running back a couple weeks, the past couple of weeks between Derek Henry and uh, who was it last week? Miles Sanders. Yeah, Miles Sanders. And it hasn't quite panned out. But uh, Kamara, I mean, he's just putting up like CMC type numbers and they're playing Detroit. <clears throat> and um, you know, I've, this was ranked as one of the biggest trench mismatches um, for the week. So, between the mismatch in the trenches and his usage in the passing game, um, I do think it's just like a solid chalk play to, you know, eat. Um, and I really like Jonathan Taylor again this week. Uh, he's down 6,600. And I mean, the Bears, they're a fine defense, but there's no one for your Rivers to really throw the ball to anymore. So I also think he's going to see uh, an uptick in receiving usage. Um, I, I do think some people will also look at the snap numbers and split work with Wilkins the past couple of weeks. But when the game was close in the, fir- or in the first half, Jonathan Taylor was the workhorse. They were just up by so much in the fourth quarter that um, they were just bringing in Wilkins for cleanup duty. So I think that will help suppress his ownership a little bit in a great smash spot. And then we mentioned Kenyon Drake earlier in the week. I just want to reiterate, he's a smash play against Carolina. Yeah, that's, that's just probably going to be... Do you think he's going to be the chalkiest running back this week? No, it's Kamara, and then it's Zeke. Okay, fair enough. I mean, top top two plays, I guess, but... Yeah. Um, he, he's probably, like, top five chalk at running back, but... Real quick on Kamara, I mean, I already mentioned this on our previous episode, but this is just worth repeating in case you haven't heard it. Alvin Kamara, in our receiver opportunity composite score, the rock score, it's a it does not speak kindly to running backs typically just because of the way they get their receiving usage. Kamara is 24th in rock among all players. That is so unbelievable. He's got seven red zone targets. That's tied for second in the league. This guy has legit wide receiver one usage right now. And that's not even factoring in his rushing ability. So, I mean, if there was ever any hesitation that he's the top player right now, it's it's all gone. <laughs> um, okay. Another one that I like, Jeff, is uh, Gus Edwards versus washington um he is it, it's a it's a sneakier play and i've got a couple others for you but he's priced it down at four thousand. this just feels like a game that's going to get out of hand i think they're two touchdown favorites baltimore is against washington uh gus edwards has seen 18 carries i think it is to something like 10 for dobbins i had it in the catch-up this week um i mean dude i just feel like this is a gus edwards game where he's been he, i think he averaged like nine yards per carry in week three like it just feels like the perfect combination of the game getting out of hand, 
Gus Edwards being their their kind of like late late hammer so far, uh, and only four thousand. I mean, it's minimum, so really cheap share of a great of the best rushing offense in the league. So, uh, any any thoughts about that one? No, I like it. Um, I actually think this is going to be a unique game to use because, especially with like how much optimizers are utilized, that it's a tough game to stack coming back for the football team, especially with Terry being like the only fantasy asset and he's banged up. Yeah, Antonio he didn't practice Gibson, today. Yep. So, and then Antonio Gibson hasn't quite shown, um, you know, that ceiling yet. Plus, you know, the Ravens defense is really good so like there's not really anyone to run it back from uh the football team with so it's right. like you could go lamar and then you know or gus edwards i mean or you could just do like your gus edwards ravens defense stack and then you know do like other stuff or you could you know then some of the other stacks that we talked about or you know lamar with andrews or hollywood brown and you know even throw the ravens defense in there even though that's usually like not good build strategy just because we think it's going to be such a route. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's it's a great matchup for the Ravens defense. I do really like Hollywood Brown this week as well. Uh, it just feels like he's due for a blow up week. Um, he hasn't seen one yet, but I think that's coming. Um, you know, an- another uh, another guy that I think is or another two guys I think are interesting um, is AJ Green at 5,500. You could also pivot to T Higgins, but the thing is, both of them are seeing really good usage. AJ Green's still 14th in rock. Obviously, he's fallen a little bit after, a, I guess, less usage, but somewhat more efficient week three. Well, definitely more efficient week three. Um, mo- most things are more, most games are more efficient than what he's put up so far. Uh, but T. Higgins obviously blew up in week three as well with two touchdowns. I think what's important to note here is that this game is likely to be a shootout. They're both very cheap, especially Green relative to the usage he's seen overall. Uh, it just feels like people are throwing in the towel on AJ Green already, and I understand why. But at the same time, you know, when you're getting this much usage, when they kept you, when they want you to play, when they're starting you still, and we know what AJ Green's capable of, are we really going to say there's no chance he can't put up 102 touchdowns? I'm not going to say that. So uh, I still like AJ Green, but I also think you could potentially pivot to T Higgins and see if you want to bet on him continuing to emerge in this offense. Uh, with his fellow rookie, Joe Burrow. Jeff, any other favorite plays you might have or sneaky plays for DFS this week? Um, I mean, I think we really covered all of them. Um, you know, James White's kind of my sneaky play at running back. In that matchup, I also really like Edelman. 5,700, he's had just a, an absurd share of the air yards in that offense. And the, the uh, Patriots have been pretty content to run the ball with Cam Newton uh, and their stable of running backs. But I don't think that they are going to feel like they're going to be able to stay in this one if they just stick to the ground game. So I think that Edelman is actually a really interesting play. If you want to get a, a secondary game stack in Kansas City, maybe you go Edelman. If you want to go really cheap, Miko Hardman, uh, or maybe you go with um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as a secondary game stack. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so I guess... Um, I, I like the Chargers players in uh, Keelan Allen and Austin Eckler. Negative game script. The Chargers actually have been playing at one of the fastest paces in the league since Herbert took over. And then the Bucs have like the stout interior defense, so they're not really going to be able to run the ball with much success. Eckler should get his usage in the passing game. And then Keelan Allen has one of the top um, you know, target shares. And then one other sneaky play that I kind of like, I don't love it, but 
as like uh alternative way to you know get the stack or run back is deandre swift in detroit mentioned earlier this week how um he's really been the receiving back and adrian peterson's been like the early down grinder they're playing new orleans negative game script seems way more than likely so deandre swift could be put in there and you know see seven eight targets maybe um he's down he's 4300 which is like as low as you can get so just as like you know your super low ownership i don't love it but i mean you know it's just kind of how the game script might run i think it's time to move on to our best bet segment this week um and we did pretty well last week i'll say this some crazy shit happened like the falcons absolutely collapsing once again i guess that's not that crazy i mean you already talked about it jeff that they're the betters uh betters downfall um we've seen this before um and nick Foles entered the game for chicago came all the way back the over hit but the falcons did not cover uh did well on a lot of the other bets though which is good um this week i really like cardinals minus three and a half against carolina at even money and also the over at 51 um you already talked about the cardinals uh secondary being banged up so carolina is likely to be able to air it out I just think that Carol, uh, the, the, uh, the Cardinals, assuming Nuke plays, are going to have too much firepower to not beat Carolina by more than a touch, uh, more than a field goal. So that's that's one of my favorite plays this week. I also really like the Seattle minus seven line against the Dolphins. That just feels honestly disrespectful to Seattle at this point. They have played. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson's out of this world right now. They are completely unstoppable. And Jamal Adams is now out, so the over looks really good at 54, I think. But like you already said, Jeff, we have to keep an eye on that weather. I will rescind that if the weather looks inclement. But other than that, I really like Seattle minus seven. And then we're actually going to talk about this game in a second, but Bills minus three and a half feels like a good bet as well this week. Jeff, any other bets that you like or any uh, issues with those ones? No, those all sound pretty good. Um, I'll toss out the teaser I placed this week. So well, first, the one I gave on the show last week, which paid out at plus 1,400 hit. Hell yes, baby. That was awesome. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm uh, just going to leave that one there. <laughs> my, my, teaser, my teaser of the week, um, taking the Cowboys down to plus one and a half, Chiefs down to minus one, Ravens down to minus seven, the Bears down to plus nine, Seahawks minus one, Bills plus three, Bucks minus one and a half, and that plays out at plus 900. Wow. Very nice, Jeff. I like it. Well, I think, Jeff, let, let's move on to our Bills prediction here to wrap things up. Um, the Bills, I, mean, we, I just got to say again, we've been doing such a good job, I think, of getting a read on this game. So I'm very interested to see this one. I think this is a, a more interesting one because the Raiders have surprised so far. Obviously, they they you know beat the Saints on Monday night. But um, this is you know a Bills team that's looking as good as any team in the league despite that second half collapse against uh, the Rams, but they still came back to to win it at the last second. I think the Bills' defense rebounds too. This was supposed to be the strength of this, de- this team, and so far it's actually been Josh Allen outpacing what the defense has let up. Uh, you know, some of that's a little inflated by, you know, a garbage time touchdown from Miami, but still I think some of the injuries and stuff, uh, obviously Micah Hyde, that injury doesn't help, but um, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, these guys are back. And I think even though Las Vegas looked really good against the Saints, 28-20 is my pick for this one, Jeff. I like the Bills again. I like them to cover that three and a half spread. Uh, and then I don't really, I don't think it's going to be as high scoring. I'm taking, I would take the under. I'm not like super confident about the, the, the total there, but I would just say, I think that this defense really starts to shut things down again. Uh, I think the Raiders injuries are really going to catch up to that offense that looked 
much better than we're than we're used to. I think uh, being led by Derek Carr. So Jeff, thoughts on this matchup for Week Four for Buffalo? Uh, that all sounds pretty good to me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like the receiving weapons is just Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Um, I mean, I think Jacobs is really he could have a good game just given mm-hmm. how we looked against the run. But since we don't really have any receiving threats to worry about, you know, we might be able to pack the box a little bit more and have some more success that way. And then, I mean, I don't think their defense is really that good. So I don't know. Maybe a Rums will make a play or two, but I think we'll be fine on offense. So yeah, I think by touchdown to 10 points is pretty reasonable. I think that three point line is, I mean, maybe it's a homer take, but it seems like a lot to me, even if we're going out West and playing at four o'clock. I agree. I uh, I really do feel good about this one. I think that 28-20 line, kind of the way I'm envisioning it, is the Bills actually go up a little bit more early, maybe something like 21-3 earlier in the game. And then, you know, as they slow down a little bit and really run things with motor, which isn't the best strategy, to be clear, but I think they would probably do that. Um, then maybe Las Vegas makes it look a little closer in the final box score. I wonder if being in Vegas, they just end up getting a lot more money now on the Vegas team the way they did with the Knights oh, just kind of end up with like a lot of local money and it you know, bumps up the move, yeah, it just moves yeah. the line in the Raiders favor by half a point to a point. So then like the edge is usually going to be on fading them. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like that's kind interesting. Of, it kind of happened with the Knights, except that the Knights ended up being way better than anyone anticipated. So I also just think that the Raiders have some sort of air of maybe this team's going to surprise again. Remember, they went 12 and four a couple of years ago with Derek Carr and obviously with Del Rio, different era. But still, like this team's, you know, different team, but it's possible. And maybe people are expecting that again. So they're they're jumping on the bandwagon. But Belichick was double teaming the checkdowns. Yeah, that was so funny. Just daring him to throw the ball downfield and he wouldn't. That was so funny. Yeah, he you know, he would look away and then he looked at the check down he's double teamed and then scramble and it's like oh man you really have no interest in and in pushing it downfield at all so disappointing um all right any any final thoughts here jeff now let's have a profitable weekend let's have a profitable weekend that's a shout out if you know you know we're really excited for this for this slate i hope you guys have enjoyed this week of contested catch coverage like i said you know we had a tuesday episode we had our opportunity buys and sells on thursday we had the contested catch up and now this one Hope you guys are enjoying all this content we're putting out. We're working really hard for you guys. So if you want to reach out, if you have anything you want to ask for future episodes or the catch up, you know where to find us at Contested Catch on Twitter, at Buffville Stats for Jeff on Twitter, and obviously ContestedCatch.com. Our site is live. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Check out The Rock. Check out the DFS Optimizer. There's a lot of good stuff there. So with that, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Good luck this weekend, and we will catch you next time.